John chapter 6 in the book of Galatians. And uh, I, I said this last week, the book of Galatians uh, chapters 3 and 4, I felt like a punching bag. I really did. I just felt like the Lord was just working on me uh, with those. And Galatians, uh, going back, it can bro- be broken into three different parts. Chapter 1 and 2, uh, Paul talks about his personal experience with grace. How many have, ex- have a personal experience with grace? If you're saved, you ought to raise your hand because you got a personal experience with grace. Uh, chapters 3 and 4, Paul addresses the doctrinal uh, instructions about grace, and that's probably why that was so uh, difficult to teach and to uh, really just, I mean, I really enjoyed it, but it was, it was challenging. How many, how many enjoy a good challenge? Well, I, that's, that's where I was at with that. And chapters 5 and 6, chapter 5, man, it felt like just so smooth and easy to preach because it, it just was just, or to talk about last week, and so it was just smooth. But chapters 5 and 6 talk about practical application of grace. And how many know that we have, uh, it's easy, it should be practical for us to put into place and to walk in grace, amen? Um, so last week we talked about Galatians chapter 5. We learned that we are free through Christ Jesus. How many believe that you're free? You know how I know that? Jesus said I was. <laughs> and so grace gives us freedom from sin. Grace does not give us freedom to sin. And that's good. I've been, I've been saying that all along. And so uh, some people push the grace thing where it's like, well, it gives me the ability to do this. Well, it, it frees us from sin. It doesn't allow us to sin. So grace, uh, you know, because of God's grace for us and over us, uh, we have these gifts and opportunities to serve each other. We talked about that in chapter 5, uh, Galatians 5.14. The whole law is fulfilled in one command. What did he say? Paul said, love your as your. And then Jesus in Matthew would say, uh, the law hangs on on these two things: love the Lord God with all your heart, and what? Love you. So the key is this word, and I, I said this last week. I made you guys all Old Testament um, scholars. The law hangs on this one word, and that is love. Love, and so uh, we talked about that. And so Paul in chapter five, he's talking about serving one another through grace that was given to us. And when we've been given grace, we ought to serve with grace, right? Uh, how many have ever went to a restaurant and maybe your waiter or waitress wasn't that good, but you gave them grace anyways? I was talking to uh, some of the men last night at, at the men's thing, and I said, I'm the kind of person that uh, when I get a bad waiter or waitress and they bring me the wrong food, you know what? I just eat it because I'm just content in all situations. But my wife, she's the kind of person like, that's not what you ordered, you know. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, so, uh, but I, I'm pretty content on most of those things. But, uh, you know, oftentimes when we go into restaurants and stuff, we don't allow the light of Jesus to shine through the way that we're treating people. I might just I might just speak on this Sunday. I'm I'm really and, and you posted something about it. Uh, the the art of being kind to people uh, in our society. But how many know that we need to be nice to people? I want people to be nice to me, and so we we ought to do that. Uh, but uh, so but anyways, in chapter five, uh, Paul's saying this: all the rules and regulations they don't save us. Um, the law. 
it pointed to Jesus, and then Jesus came and fulfilled the law. Ephesians 2.8 says this, by grace we are saved by, all right, some of you know your scripture. By, by grace we are saved by faith, and this is not of yourselves. Look at your neighbor and said, you had nothing to do with it. Uh, it's the gift of God that no man can boast. Um, so, uh, so, so much. Uh, there's so many rich things in Galatians, and the thunder's talking to us. And uh, we ended last week talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. They're excited about the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. I tell you what, God's got a good sense of humor. I love it. Um, and uh, one thing I, I want to say leading up to that uh, list of the fruit of the Spirit is this long list of, of things that Paul gives. This is a much better list than that list that he, that he talked about. Uh, but these fruit of the Spirit are the character of Jesus Christ. He walked in love. He walked in joy. He walked in peace. And he... He walked in self-control and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and kindness, all right? And so how many know that we should be like Jesus? All right, I want to be like Jesus, so guess what? That's what you need to emulate right there, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit, uh, I talked about this last week, uh, how fruit trees don't struggle to produce fruit. They just do it. You know, I've never seen a fruit tree that was like, like physically I could see it straining to produce fruit. But when it's connected, when its roots are deep, when we're connected to Jesus, the fruit will just naturally come off of us, right? That's the way it should work, okay? And uh, the fruit that we produce, all right, here's a game changer for those of you who weren't here last week. The fruit that is produced from us is not for our own consumption, but for someone else. Never seen an apple tree eat its own apple. I've seen them throw apples in the Wizard of Oz, but I didn't, I didn't see them, you know. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fruit that we produce is for someone else. And Paul's getting to that in chapter 5. We're serving others. We're loving others. And so when all this, this type of the fruit of the Spirit, the love, and this joy and peace that comes from our lives, it's for someone else who may need a little bit of peace in their life. And that might just come off of, off of you. So the whole point of chapter 5 is leading us to serve and love for others. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, I love you. All right. Some of you say, uh, I don't know if I really love the person on the other side, so don't make me do the other side, right? No, I'm, uh, I'm just joking. Um, uh, chapter 6, it starts and continues on the theme of, of putting others first in Galatians chapter 6. If you need a subheading on this, um, I guess it would be bear one another's burdens. Um, some of you are like, well, that's great. I'm having a hard time bearing my own burdens, let alone someone else's, Right? Uh, but Galatians chapter 6 starts like this. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. What kind of spirit? Oh, isn't that, uh, oh, that was in that list that, that I just read, right? And the spirit of gentleness. So Paul is continuing here his dissertation of grace and this application of grace. 
and and he's saying this if you if you're spiritual and if you are a Christian who has it together you've been through some stuff anybody been through some stuff in here weathered some storms and you've walked with the Lord for a minute he's saying this if you're spiritual when someone fails don't rejoice about it instead restore them you know what that is that's serving someone else that's loving on someone else. That's carrying someone else's burden. See, see, I've I've seen too many Christians point out others' flaws. Well, you're doing this, and you shouldn't be doing this. And we're pointing the finger at people, and we're telling them how bad they are. Right? Uh, unfortunately, that happens, and we point out other people's flaws, and the and the the Christians point their fingers, and they say, "I told you so," and "I was right," and all this, and. And Jesus would address this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 5 through 7. He warns us not to point out the, at the speck in our neighbor's eye, but when we have a plank in ours. So Jesus gives us a stark warning about that as, as Christians. You know, I'm, I'm not saying, I mean, if you, if you need to call something to truth, you have to call sin is sin, right? And there's a right way to call out sin, and there's a wrong way. to. But notice Paul, he says, you have to do it in what? Gentleness. Gentleness is not, you better get your life right, blah, 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 and hitting them with a hammer, right? Gentleness is saying, hey, God's got something better for you. He loves you. He still loves you. And so, you know, Christians, we should be more concerned about the restoration of someone than being right. Now, that changes your whole perspective, right? I don't know about you. I love it when I'm right in an argument. You do too, right? All you spouses are like, yeah, yeah, you're hitting your spouse, right? Uh, No one likes to be wrong in an argument, right? We like to be right. But you know what's more important to me as a believer, seeing someone restored, than to be like, I told you so. I told you if you walk down that path, that's what would happen. I think that I think that's 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 great, and I think that's important for us to realize. So, um, I don't know about you. Sometimes I got to do some self evaluating before um, I have to start evaluating others. I have to stop and go, "Hey, am, am I being critical? Am I being mean spirit? Am I being gentle, like what Paul is talking about here in verse one, or or am I just am I just being a big fat meanie?" Right. Uh, again, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus would say it's, it's uh, proportional to how you give it. It will be given back to you. I read this uh, a couple weeks ago. If you are mean and judgmental and sour-faced, guess what? You're going to get it back at you. You're going to get mean people, judgmental, and sour-faced people back at you. Um, so God's principle of sowing and reaping is still there. Look, you, you're going to hear me talk about that. I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit. Um, but in Genesis Chapter 9, verse 21, there's a great story. Um, chapter 9, verses 21 and through 23, we see the story of Noah. And this is after the ark has landed and he's out. And Noah is laying in his, his tent and he's naked and drunk. He's just messed up. And there he is. And Ham, his son, um, you know what he did? When he noticed that, he couldn't wait to go tell everyone else, which was just their family, what had happened to Noah, right? How many of you guys hear some good gossip? First thing you got to do is get on the phone, call someone, right? Did you hear blah, 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 right? And so don't be a ham. 
Okay, don't be like Ham. Don't be pointing out someone else's flaw. But look at this. I, I like this. Shem and Japheth, on the other hand, you know what they did? They went into his tent. They both carried a blanket backwards because they didn't want to see their dad naked. And I don't blame them one bit. And they covered him. They covered him so that he would not disgrace himself. I like that. Look at this. Look at this. First Peter 4.8 says this declares that love covers a multitude of sin. Shem and Japheth, they, they, covered, they covered his sin. Ham, he, he had to make a big deal about it, right? And so love doesn't talk about sin. It doesn't draw attention to sin. It doesn't call a, a prayer meeting to discuss sin. Love walks in backwards and covers sin. It's what God does. God is love, right? All right. All right, it says this, the next portion of that verse says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So, how much of your day is spent analyzing the faults and shortcomings of others? You guys ever do that? Maybe you work with people. If they would just show up on time, if they would just do their job. Oh, now, now you're talking to me, Pastor. It was, it was pretty good until you said that, right? And, and But we're analyzing, and sometimes you have to do that for your jobs, and, and, what, and I'm not saying there's like necessarily anything wrong with that, but when it's a perpetual thought process, and you're always looking at people's shortcomings, and you're always analyzing that they're not doing enough, you're in, on dangerous ground here, because it says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, is what, is what Paul's saying here. Um, you know, the answer to how you, how you answer that, you know, the, how long you, you spend the day analyzing faults of shortcoming is a good barometer of where you stand spiritually. You know, do we see the worst in people first or do we see the best in people? I don't know about you. I, my flesh, and I'm a, I'm a person, but sometimes my flesh gets ahead of my spirit. Anybody ever made a bad judgment on someone? You thought, oh, man, this is this. You see someone and uh, maybe maybe you, you see a big old burly guy and he's got tattoos and long hair. And, and you think, man, this guy's going to kill me. And then he's like, oh, hey, you dropped $20. Here you go. And he's like the nicest guy in the whole wide world. So you make a prejudgment on people. I, I've done that. Uh, but the flesh and our flesh and our carnal man, they want to reveal. They They want to they want to they want to point out people's flaws, and the spiritual man wants to restore. There's the difference. Why? Uh, why well, while the carnal, fleshly man is puffed up, um, it's a false sense of pride and security, right? I'm, I'm better than you, right? Because you look that way. But the spiritual man knows how, how close he is he himself to succumbing to that temptation. He's like, so the spiritual man says, you know what? That could be me. Few different decisions, that person could be me. And that's called humility, right? And so we need to walk in that. So look at this. Uh, the second verse says this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um. This sums up the second half of chapter 5, specifically verse, verses 14. What is the law of Christ? To love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew, we talked about that, Matthew chapter 22. Um, 
This word burden in the Greek means something beyond normal capacity to carry as opposed to like a load, okay? It's, it's something a little bit more severe than just, hey, I've got a backpack on my, like, I have a load, I have a backpack. Well, guess what? If I have a backpack on my back, I don't need Brandon Banks to come and help me carry my backpack. But if it's a big load, let's say I have a boat, I'm, I'm trying to pull this boat, guess what? Brandon can come and help me carry this boat because it's a little bit bigger. And the key here, and Paul's trying to get at, is restore uh, others, other Christians from burdensome sin and, and, and is what Christ expects out of all of his believers. Let me ask you this. Who are you restoring? Who are you restoring in your life? So look at this. Verse, verse 3 says this. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives, them. He, he deceives himself. Some say, hey, I'm too important to help others. I'm too important to bear others' burdens. I Guess what? You missed your calling and your purpose. If you're too good, uh, you know what? I, I'll tell you this. Someone needs you to help them carry their burden. Everyone in here has a ministry. Everyone has a ministry. Guess what? You will reach people that I may never see. You will reach people that I may never see. You guys come into people at, in contact with people at work that I may never, ever see or know. You, someone's depending on you to help them carry a burden. All right? Uh, so don't think of yourself too highly as to not serve others or to carry others' burdens. Look at this, verse 4. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. In other words, don't try to impress others with, with how important you are. Um, you ever been around someone that has to tell you about all their titles and what they've done? And, you know, and you're like, I was just asking how your day was. I don't really care about your backstory and, you know, who you've met, right? And who, um, uh, just do the things God has called you to do, whether someone is watching or not. I, I, I thought about this story. Um, when I was a camp director, I had uh, the last morning that we were getting up for camp, I had to get up and take uh, our camp speakers to the airport. I got up, they, they had an early morning flight, and the sun was rising. And when I got up, I walked out of where I was staying. There was a lady who was serving at our camp. And when I walked out, I was shocked at what I saw. When I walked out of my room, she was out there in the quad where most things happen, and she was picking up trash, and not a soul was awake, nobody was around, nobody watching, and I thought, that's how you do it right there. That's how you do it right there. And so uh, so Paul, he, he's warning us here, hey, don't don't do it for accolades. You know, I don't know about you, my kids, they'll do something just so dad sees. Hey, look, dad, I'm cleaning my room, right? But, but scripture here is saying, hey, don't do it out because of the accolades that you'll get. Do it when no one's watching. Do it unto the Lord, not for man's applause. I like that. I need to be reminded of that, right? We all need to be reminded of that. Matthew chapter 6 says this, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that, you're, so that your giving may be 
in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There's a time sometimes where, you know, I may use an example of something that's happened to me. And I and understand my heart. I'm not telling you to glorify myself because there is, there, I can't glorify myself because I'm not that good. I need God every day. I need his grace every day. But l- let me tell you, if you do something, do it as unto the Lord. And who cares if anyone sees or doesn't see? He sees it. That's what matters, right? And so, uh, so if I'm testing my own work, I don't need to let everybody know. Right? I don't have to let everybody know. So look at this. Verse 5 says this. For each will have to bear his own load. So I was talking about this a minute ago. And you say, hey, wait a minute, TJ. This goes against verse 2. You said we had to bear others' burdens. And now you're talking about each of us have to bear our own loads. And I, and I used a good example there. The word load or burden here, it's burden from the King James Version for all my KJV peeps, is translated here. In, in, in verse 5, it speaks of a soldier's pack. Guess what? When a, when a soldier puts on their pack and they're going marching, guess what? Each person is expected to carry their own load. Uh, Brother Don, you, went, you just went on a hike this year and everybody had their own backpack. You are expected to carry your own load because guess what? You have to carry the things that you need. And so this is, this is what this is talking about. But look at this in verse 2. Burden talks about um, taking a hit on the chest. Anybody ever been punched in the chest real hard? Some of you are like, I don't want to admit I got in a fight or I don't want to admit, like, if you had a, uh, like a, I almost said a spouse. If you had a brother or a sister, hopefully you don't have a spouse that's been punching you in the chest. But if you have a, a brother and sister, you've probably been hit in the chest a time or two, right? I don't know about you. I, I grew up swinging. Just, I didn't care what I hit. Just go, you know, kind of thing. But look at this. See, in this battle, we're supposed to bear our own pack. But when the enemy wallops somebody, when you see someone just taking a hit, hard, guess what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to get down and help them carry their load and say, hey, we're going to get you out of this. We're going to get you back. We're going to make sure you're restored. We're going to make sure you're okay. And when you're good again, we'll get you back up. We'll put your pack back on you, and then you can get back in line with us. I love that. How many, how many believe that that's your calling in life? You should raise your hand because that's your calling in life. <laughs> All right. Consequently, uh, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be a people who are trying to get someone else to carry our load or our pack. Oh, you've been around those people. Oh, the sky is always falling around this person, right? And it, <laughs> Tanya, I see you smiling because you, you were a pastor's wife. So you sometime, sometimes you get around people and it's just always doom and gloom and doom and gloom. And you're just like, man, I want to help you out here, but you need to carry your own pack right now. All right, we all have problems. We've all had, you know, sometimes bad things just happen, right? I'm not talking about, you know, if you're if you're hit with a bad situation. Sometimes that just happens. And I'm glad that we have a church family that when something bad happens, man, this church rises up and we just rally around people. Amen. And at the same time, okay, so, so consequently, we, we shouldn't be a people who are trying to get someone else to carry our load or our pack. But at the same time, there are days and there are weeks and there are seasons that, man, we just get walloped. We just get hit. We get knocked down. And during those times, I need you and you need me and we need each other. And we need our brothers and sisters to help carry our burdens and stand with us. And, and the Lord uh, gives us discernment on when to buck up and carry our own load and when to open up and 
share our burden. Look at this. Verse 6 says this. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So um, uh, the ESV here says share. The, the King James Version actually says communicate. The Greek word here literally means to physically share something. How many of you guys have a hard time sometimes physically sharing something? I don't know about you. Uh, when, I, when I'm eating my food, I don't like people to come over into my plate. You will get jabbed with a fork if you come over in my plate. I don't mind sharing, but you better ask me first. I'm, I, maybe that's why my dog gets all growly when I reach for his food. He's like me, okay. Um, but the, it means physically sharing. So, and, and here's the thing. I thank the Lord for for this congregation, and I, I and I and and that uh, that you guys that God has called us here in in this church and has brought us here. And you ought to you ought to thank God that you're here, you're connected, and this is a place that you feel like you're fed, and that you've got you've got brothers and sisters that are around you, and and you'll continue to share in order of the ministry. But look at this. Look at this. Um, I believe a lot of people want to come in and get get the benefits of church. Now, I'm, now listen, I want you. I'm going to talk about money for a minute, so don't freak out. All right, you can roll over on your wallet if you want right now. It's okay. We're not take up a, taking up an offering right now. Uh, but so many people, I believe a lot of people are missing out on so much in so many ways because they fail to communicate what. The Bible's telling here, it's saying share, saying share, give your finances. All right, I'm going to show you something here. Most of you are like, oh, he's coming after our wallets. Everyone roll over. Uh, <laughs> I heard a pastor say this uh, this week. God doesn't want your stingy money. If you're stingy with it, he don't want it. He don't need it. <laughs> he said this, those people that are stingy with their money, he said, they have a stingy spirit. Okay, uh, the only time God says, look at this, the only time God says to test him is in your finances. Test me and see if I'm faithful. Test me, try me, try me. You know why I think God says that? Because he knows how greedy and our hearts are and how it's ours and I worked hard for it, God, and it's mine and but look at this in Malachi, it says this, Malachi 3.10, it says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, uh, that where there may be food in the house, and that thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Try me, that's what he's saying. Share with me, and you watch and see. I don't know about you. I've got a lot of personal experience with finances, and God has taught me some great lessons in finances over my, my life. Not that I'm some kind of, kind of great person in finances, but I can tell you this, that when I'm faithful to God, he is more than faithful back to me financially. Uh, this last week, I had a young man um, who called me. And he said, man, I, he goes, I got to tell you what I did. And, and he's a young man that I kind of mentor. And I was like, okay, what, what's going on? And he said, man, he goes, I was just struggling financially, this and that. And he said, I talked to my dad. And he told me, he said, he said son, are you, are you tithing? 
and I and he said I was like mm, I didn't really want to answer that and he said my dad said hey the Lord has said that's the only place to, to test him is try me and he said and and he said I I tithe and he said and then he goes within a few days I got my tithe back and God blessed me and God God <laughs> blessed me in a mighty way so what am I saying here this is what I'm saying in all this, I'm not. Li- we're not going to take up an offering. If you'll bow your heads and, and and get your pledge cards out, no, I'm just kidding. That's not what I'm doing right now. But I'm just telling you this. In this, if you are struggling, maybe financially, and you need a breakthrough financially, sometimes the, the well, I, not sometimes. The best thing you can do is challenge God and say, "Hey, okay, God, you reap what you." So, all right, so we're going to get to that. Look at this. Uh, look at this. Verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows. That will he also. Oh, man, Lord, you're so good. God's principle here. You reap what you sow. So if you sow stingily with your money, you'll reap sparingly with that. Okay. And if you're sowing generously, you'll reap abundantly, right? Um, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some real practical, Midwest, simple-minded, country advice here. All right, you ready for this? You cannot expect corn in your garden if you don't sow corn. I want God's blessing. Well, then you need to be a blessing. That's just the way it works. I didn't write it. The Lord wrote it. Uh, God will not be mocked. Where you sow is also important. The next, next verse explains. Look at this, verse 8. For those, uh, for the one who sows to his own flesh, from the flesh, will reap what? Corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will, from the Spirit, reap what? All right. So the principle of the law of the harvest is irrevocable and, it, and incontestable. What you sow, you'll reap. That's it. I mean, doesn't change. If, if, if I say, Lord, forgive me, and I shouldn't have gone there or I shouldn't have done that, God will forgive me, according to 1 John 1, 9. God will, but look, look at this. But the seed that I planted still will come to fruition. Let me give you a good example. I'm going to I'm I'm blow your mind here, right? It's like the guy who murders someone. I like going really deep because you're like, whoa, that was so intense all of a sudden. It's like the guy who murders someone, right? And then he's on trial, and, and in his trial, he's, he's saying, hey, I, I have accepted Christ. And that's, that's good and all, but we are a nation of laws, right? And, and yeah, God has forgiven him. God has given him grace. But let me tell you something. There, You planted some seeds there, buddy. And now you're going to sow from those seeds that you planted. So you say, hey, what about grace, TJ? Can I tell you, grace still abounds. Romans 5.20 says this. Now the law came in to increase the, tre- uh, the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Now that's talking spiritually, Okay. Spiritually, okay? And so uh, I'll give you a good example. Uh, how many know the story of Samson? Samson. 
And one of the judges in the Old Testament, after being where he shouldn't have been, getting his hair cut, which God told him not to, not to do, and he was a, a he-man with a she-woman problem, right? That was, his, that was his issue. And as he ground the will, his hair began to grow. You remember they, after his hair was cut, they were able to, to bound him, and the, the Philistines, they took him, and they put him to work, and they poked his eyes out. And there he was, st- standing there in the temple of Dagon, and, and, and when he was grinding, his hair began to grow. He asked God to give him strength one more time. Look at this. I'm going to show you something. This is, this is great. This is God's grace. And he pulled down the supporting pillars. Scripture records that Samson conquered more Philistines in that one moment than he did his entire lifetime. Judges 16.30 says that if you're taking notes. Uh, Samson, look at this. Samson sowed in his flesh and lost everything as a result. For, for such is the principle of the harvest. That's, that's you reap what you sow. So he sowed in the flesh, and guess what? He reaped the, the flesh. Yet his hair grew back, and his strength came back for a pivotal moment. And you know what that is? That's called the grace of God. That pivotal moment is called the grace of God. So I think he's a great example. Verse 9 says this. uh, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we what? Do not, do not faint is what, or do not give up. If we do not give up, I don't know about you, I've heard this scripture quoted my whole life, and I stand firm on this scripture. And And when you're going through something and you're struggling, right, it is a great one to quote. When you're in the ministry, right? It is, it is one that sometimes you're just like, man, Lord, I am just sowing seeds right now. And it feels like it's all falling apart. God just says, keep on sowing. Don't be weary. Just keep on sowing because a harvest is coming. Keep, keep giving it. I know we get tired. We get discouraged. We get down. And it feels like, man, we're just throwing seed and nothing's happening. But listen, keep sowing good seeds. Hang in there because the more you sow, the greater the harvest. All right, And if you're sowing and you're growing weary, Paul says this, keep on doing, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Uh, How many know that good things are worth the wait? I will wait one hour for a good steak. I will not wait one hour at Denny's. You're like, oh, you're bougie, TJ, right? Good things are worth the wait. How many know that God has good things for you? Scripture tells us that, you know, the the good things in our lives, he's planned things ahead for us to do. And our job as believers is to sow in prayer, is to sow in studying the word, and sow in kindness, and sow in the ministry. And watch the returns that will come back, and it will blow your mind. I love that. Look at this. Verse 10 says this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the house of the household of faith. The King James Version says uh, the word therefore there, which you know what? When therefore is in the scripture, you got to stop and ask, what is it? Perfect. Yay. All right, good. Uh, it, you got to figure out why it's there. And so, and what it's doing is it's tying the previous verse to this verse. And it, it's bringing it therefore, so this is leading to this. So look at this. Uh, the, the, the ESV actually says, so then as we have what? Opportunity. Uh, opportunity is a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. 
You know, you have opportunity every day as a believer. Ooh, that ought to make you just excited right there. Just that, just the chance to be like, ah, I get to serve God today. I get to love on people. Like, oh, man, I don't like loving on people. Put a little more caffeine in your coffee. You'll love on people, right? A little too much. Uh, do good to everyone is what, is what he's saying here. And serve others, other Christians in love. And, and he would uh, go back to verse 2 of this chapter in Galatians 5.12. He talks about that. Um, and here's the other thing. Be good to non-believers. And I was good. I like I liked the, the loving on the church family, but, man, don't make me love on people that are just mean in Walmart. Right? And don't make me love on people who won't go, uh, who won't go when the light turns green. I'm talking to myself right now, all right? Lord, and don't make me love, like, all the non-believers, love on everybody. Love on everybody. That's it. It's as simple as that. So uh, if you need a uh, heading for this last portion of Scripture here. Uh, the final, it can be final warning and a benediction that, that, that Paul gives here. He, he kind of gives some potent words here, but how we know Paul is not one to mince words. He just kind of throws it out there, like it, don't like it. I still love you. That's what, he, what he's saying, and I'm going to tell you the truth. So verse 11 says this, see with uh, what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. So in Galatians chapter 4, uh, 13 and 15, he made implications to his poor eyesight. I don't know if you guys remember me talking about that. And I think um, I alluded to this verse, actually. Uh, and I believe that his he had gotten sick and that he didn't see very well. I, you know, some say that is his thorn in the flesh. I don't know. Nobody knows what his thorn in the flesh was. I think God kept it there just to keep him humble. <laughs> How many know sometimes we need some stuff in our life to keep us humble? But here he's he says this. Uh, I, I see... With what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. So maybe he couldn't see very good. He's writing really big. I don't know. Um, uh, you know, could it be that he's making a point in his benediction of this book that he's writing it big so they, to emphasize, hey, here it is. That may be another thing. I don't know. Some scholars believe that. I've heard that, that said. And maybe he's trying to underline the point. Do you get this point? You know, I mean. Uh, if you're a teacher, you might be writing on a board and be like, I'm writing this big. You might want to write this down. It's on the test, right, you know, kind of thing. And so I don't know if that's the case. But, but he's ending Galatians here, and he's, and he's given a warning. Look at the ver verse 12 says this. It is those who want to, to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. So here he is. He's going back. And you've heard me talk about this in, in almost all the chapters, these, these Judaizers, these Christians, they would come in. Uh, that were Jewish from Jewish descent, they would come in after Paul, and he would preach grace, and he would and he's preaching to the Gentiles here, mainly the Gentiles here in Galatia, and then um, they would come in and they would say, "Oh, it's good what Paul said, but you also have to follow these rules and rituals. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow. You need to eat this way, and you need to specifically do all these things." So. Um, in this, the King James uh, says constrained instead of good showing. Verse 12 says if it, it, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh or uh, are constrained. Um, and that word constrained in the King James Version, there's a Greek word for that. And it, it's a sales term. It's a salesman's term. Um, like a salesman. Paul, Paul says this, the Judaizers, they're coming in with a good hard sell. Uh, anybody ever been duped by a salesman? <laughs> right? 
well, you need this, right? You know, I was thinking about this. It reminds me of the people when you go, when you're walking through the mall, and the people in the kiosk in the middle of the mall, and they just won't take no for an answer. It's like, sir, let me clean your shoes. No, let me clean your shoes. No, let me clean your shoes. No, right? Or, you know, and, and, and have you ever bought something that you didn't necessarily want to buy because the salesman was just so good, and then you went home, and you're like, why did I buy that? I, I didn't even intentionally want to go do that. And so Paul's kind of, he's, he's making a, a comparison here. These guys coming in, he said, you guys are a hook, line, sinker. You're falling to these guys. They're, they're throwing you a sales pitch. And that's not what I preach. I preach grace through Jesus Christ, not by what you do. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, uh, we'll pray for all the, all the salesmen. If you're a salesman in here. I pray that God gives you grace and mercy. All right. Uh, look at this. The next portion of that says, and only in order and that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So the only reason that these guys are, are selling this hard, hard pitch to these guys is um, they're selling circumcision because they don't want to suffer, suffer persecution. Why? Because the people back home, the Jews at home, they can get these guys and say, hey, see all these Gentiles over here? Guess what? We got them all to follow our rules and our regulations. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. You know what that's called? Legalism. Oh, you ought to be careful when you hear people say, oh, it has to be this way or that way specifically. And it do, it's not lined up with the word of God. That's called legalism. And that's dangerous, and, 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 and they want to look at the other legalists and point to the Galatians and be able to say, hey, we got all them Gentiles. They're like us now. They believe like us. And this is the funny, this is the funny part. Look at this. Verse 13 says this, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So there's your, there's your point right there. I just I made my point already. Again, even the Judaizers who preached the circumcision didn't even keep the entire law. You know why? Because it's impossible. We talked about that. It's impossible to keep the entire law. It's a, it, you are not capable because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the law exists as a mirror. And remember I talked about that. It, it, it's like a mirror. And when I compare myself against the law, I have failed at least in one of those areas. And if you've failed at one of them, you've failed at all of them. That's what Scripture says. And... And they wanted the Galatians to be circumcised so they could go back and they can say, hey, we got followers back in Galatia, right? It's like people on social media, I want all the followers in the world. I, I'm so tired of social media. Whew. Like, I am so tired of social media. Uh, that's just me. You don't have to be tired of it. You love it. That's all good. Just don't let, don't let it get before God, all right? Um, and, and they wanted notches in their belt so they could brag about what they were able to do. And can I tell you something, when, when we talk about those kind of people or those legalists or the Judaizers, they were self-serving. It was about them. And if it's not about him, you ought, to, you ought to throw up a guard. If you hear someone saying and it comes back to them, hey, do, do this, you know, you ought to say, oh, no, 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 no. They missed the whole point because they missed the grace message. Well, it's grace, and then you got to do this, and you got to do that. They missed the whole grace message. And I don't know about you, but I need grace. Look at this. Verse 14 says this. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoo. I love that. 
by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So I'm not interested in, Paul's saying this, I'm not interested in, in notches in my belt. I'm not interested in people's, how many followers I have. You know what I'm interested in? The only thing I glory in is Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross. That's all that matters to me. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of, of praise. <laughs> Nothing else matters except Jesus Christ. And, and listen, his grace, his unmerited, undeserving, and unearned favor. It's all him and has nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm not that good. I like, I like Paul's perspective. And as a representative or a believer, Paul spoke of himself as crucified with Christ. He did it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, if you're taking notes. And in that uh, decisive act, the flesh, the flesh with its passions and desires, Galatians 5.24, remember he, he talked about that, they, they are crucified to the cross, was also crucified, as was the world with all of its con, uh, continuing attractions, 1 John 2.15-17. through 17. So, so three, I mean, when we come to Christ, my fleshly desires, myself and the things of this world, they are crucified to the cross. It is finished. It says a lot. Those words that Jesus cried off the cross are powerful. They're more powerful than, than often we say it so fast and we read it so fast. They are powerful. It is the finished work of grace. Look at this, verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel uh, of God. So verse 15, he's talking about a new creature. Uh, um, uh, to to a Christian under the new covenant following the Abrahamic, uh, Abrahamic, I don't know if that's a word, but that sounds cool, Abrahamic. It's like a mixture of Abraham and a hammock. Abrahamic sign of circumcision, it means nothing in terms of spirituality. He's saying this, you, you have all these rules and regulations, and you know what? That doesn't make you more spiritual than anybody else. If you are a new creation by Christ, uh, it, you're a new creation in Christ by, by Christ being in you. Not by following a bunch of rituals. Mm, you know what following a bunch of rituals is? Legalism. Second Corinthians 5.17, Paul would say this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new. He is a new. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love that. You know, Christ made us new. I love that. Uh, look at this, verse 16. He's talking about uh, uh, here he kind of shifts gears. And he's talking about a new nation. The Israel of God is how it's worded. A spiritual Israel of which every believer is a citizen. Because Abraham had a covenant with the Lord and because uh, the law was fulfilled by Jesus Christ, I, I'm a Gentile. Most of us are Gentiles in here. I'm, I'm assuming all of us are Gentiles in here. Uh, I am grafted in because of Jesus Christ. I am Abraham's seed. Because of Jesus Christ. You are Abraham's seed because of Jesus Christ. And um, some uh, believe that, some scholars believe this, this is a remnant of believers or believing Jews that Abraham's spiritual descendants because they believe in God and rely on his grace. So you can note that if you want to do that. That's perfectly fine. Verse 17 says this. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. I think Paul was getting tired of these Judaizers. He's like, I'm not, no more. Right? Uh, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He's not talking about tattoos here. 
All right, just in case you were wondering, all right. He's not talking about the marks. What he's talking about here is circumcision. So not, those are not the marks that, that are going to make me. Those who boast about legalism and rules and regulations say, look at me. Look at my covenant. I mean, look, look, where I, look what I've done. So notice those who point out that they, that, that they have to point out in their flesh their abilities and their giftings. Woo. Some of us don't like that. Like, oh, man, that was pretty good until you said that, TJ. Like, you know what? The, look, Paul goes on. He says, look at Paul through not me or my markings, but let people know me by the marks of Jesus on my life and the way that I live. It's not by the rituals that I follow. It's not these things. It's just Jesus Christ and him. Gonna be, and he would go on further to say the marks of Christ on his body could even have been in a physical sense because the guy was stoned. The guy was shipwrecked. The guy was beaten. I'm sure he had some, some messed up maladies in his life. If you, anybody been stoned in here lately? I didn't think so. Nobody raised their hand. Thank goodness. Uh, he had been bit by a snake. He probably had some scars. And when he saw those scars, when he had been bitten by a snake, he probably thought, man, it, that is God's grace on my life. I should be dead right now. May our lives bear the markings of Christ when people see us, even though uh, we don't have to shout it out with our voice, but with our lifestyles and with our actions. You know what? I love being around people that I don't know that are saved, but I, I just start talking to them like, yeah, this person's a believer. I just know it. I can just tell. And, and then, you know, sometimes they'll be like, are you, are you a believer? Yeah, me too. I knew it. Right? Right? I love that. And so we should bear the marks of Christ by how we live and what people see. All right? Look at this, verse 18. And I'm a, come on up. Come on up. We're going to do something. We're going to end different tonight. Uh, verse 18 says this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, uh, brothers, amen. So after a stern word to the Judaizers he, he sought, who sought to compromise the work of the cross, Paul ends this letter as he begins, to, uh, and he's back at the grace of God. He starts with the grace of God, and he ends with the grace of God. You know how my spiritual walk starts? It starts with the grace of God, and it ends with the grace of God. I, 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 can't, I can't escape it. I, I need the Lord's grace. So pointing out, here's what he's doing, pointing out to the Galatians and to us today, it's not by anything that we do, but it's by Jesus' finished work on the cross. I don't know about you, when I think about Jesus' finished work on the cross, I just get pumped. I, I do, I do, because... When I think about my fallacies and my failures and my mistakes and my mess-ups and my weaknesses, and I'm like, man, God, I just don't add up. And I'm like, my grace got it, got you. You're good. My grace has got you. You're good. It starts with grace and it ends with grace. And I don't know about you, I love that. So will you bow your heads with me just real fast? I just want to pray over you. Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, your goodness. God, you've been so good to us. And God, you've given us freedom. Uh, not freedom to sin, but freedom from sin. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the finished work on the cross. God, and help us each and every day, God, 
even though sometimes in our human sense we gravitate towards legalism just by, by default, but God, help us to be discerning and understand what this gift of grace is. May we walk in freedom. We thank you, Jesus. Will you stand with me? I, I, I've asked uh, Kentley to help me tonight. I want to I end on, on this song. You know this song, and I... This is the national anthem of Christianity, Amazing Grace. That's what I call it. I, I, I mean, it is. Because if it hadn't been for God's grace. And so um, we're going to sing this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see t'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears Come on, can you lift your hands? Can you just love on him right now? Begin to thank him for his grace over your life. He brought you here today. He's kept you to this point. He's been so good to us. He's been so good to you. He's worthy of praise. Lord, thank you, Lord, for this gift of grace and this gift of mercy, God, that you've given us. Come on, sing Amazing Grace. Come on, sing it again, church. Amazing Grace, how sweet. Come on, you sing it out. Kick it old school. Lift your hands. Say, praise God. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can you love on him one more time? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your finished work of grace on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for your freedom that you've given us. God, may we never take that for granted. Amen. I don't know about you. I was challenged by Galatians and, and pushed and uh, will probably um, from this point on, uh, we may take a small little break, but we'll kick back up maybe in, in August. And, uh, we'll move.
move. We'll pray about the direction that, that as far as what we want to teach on and doing that. And uh, thank you for your attendance. And so good to see everybody. And, and like I said, we missed you guys Sunday. And uh, but we, we are happy to be home. Uh, when we got back from our trip, I, I felt like when we got to our house, I, I felt like I was home. You know what that means? Yeah. Felt like I was home. And so uh, that, that was good. And so uh, let me just pray for you guys one more time. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you be with us this week, God, that you would protect us. Lord, that you would put your hand of protection over each and every person. God, Lord, that you would continue to, to help us, God, each and every day. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to keep the flesh, God, under control. God, I ask, Lord, that you would help us, our temper, God, and our, our, our shortcomings, God, each and every day. God, may the grace of God lead us. God, I pray, Lord, that people would see the markings of Christ on our lives. God, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to be witnesses, God, and as we serve others, as we love on others, God, as we love you and as we love on others this week, God, may your work be done, God, may your, may your church be multiplied. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen.